Welcome to Empyrean Podcast, a podcast where you will learn about the deeper things of God and how to create a stronger relationship with God. If this podcast blesses you and you want to connect further, follow me on Instagram, Threads, and YouTube at Darnell Craig and visit my website, www.darnellcraig.com. I hope this episode changes your life and inspires you to get closer to God. I want to go to um I want to go back to the book of Revelation chapter um the book of Revelation chapter 1 uh, this is part 30 so the book of Revelation chapter 1 verse 4 it says John to the seven churches that are in Asia grace and peace to, grace to you and peace for him who is who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood, and made us into a kingdom, priests to his God and Father, to him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So one of the things that we talked about as relates to prayer is that prayer is the fulfillment um prayer is the fulfilling of your priesthood is one of the aspects of you being a priest and that when you become a believer the bible says you've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son um upon this trans this translation you actually are initiated into a priesthood called the order of melchizedek and you're a priest not to people but you're a priest to your God and your father. So the father adopted you into a family to become a priest so that through your priesthood, you impact all the creation. The Bible says that creation is groaning and waiting for the manifestations of the sons of God. Creation is impacted by your priesthood. There are things in creation that are waiting for you to learn how to pray, to be consistent in prayer, and to come into maturity so that you can play your part in liberating creation from bondage. The Bible says that creation was subjected not willingly, but unwillingly. So there are things that are happening in creation against the will of creation. But the role that the sons of God play in creation is to set creation free from the things that has it in bondage. So there are things that are subject to the power and influence of Satan that don't have to be. When you realize who you are, when you realize your authority and power, and you learn how to stand your ground, right? Now, a priest, you're a priest, not to people. You know, other priesthoods, you're a priest to, you know, the land, or you're a priest to a king, or you're a priest to people. But in this priesthood, you're a priest unto God. The one you relate to is God the Father. And we all need a revelation of God as father. There's a difference between God being God and being your father. Because God is God to all creation. But God is not father to everyone. And there's a difference in how God deals with you. Just like you, when you have a child, although you may love all children, you don't treat um, someone else's children better than your children. Um, so you are a child of God. 
And there's a love that's beyond comprehension. The Bible says that the love of God that surpasses all knowledge, there's a love that's un, um, incomprehensible to your mind. The greatest theologian, the greatest linguist, um, the greatest uh, philosopher cannot articulate the love of God because the love of God is not something that can be fully articulated, but it is something that can be experienced on a daily basis. So when God is your father, he loves you. He loves you without condition. He loves you beyond your performance. He loves you beyond your mistakes. When God is your father, God doesn't see you according to your mistakes. God sees you according to your purpose and according to your destiny. So my mistakes do not define me. My destiny and my purpose does because the Bible says the gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. Whatever God has called you to do, whatever God has created you to be, he never changes his mind. It's a divine election. And it's according to the purpose and the plan of God before the foundation of the world. No matter how far you've fallen, no matter how far you've backslidden, no matter what sin you've fallen into, God has not changed his mind about you. And God has a plan to get you out of your mess, to get you out of your sin, and to get you out of your disillusionment. God wants you aware of who you are, who he is, and where he wants to take you. Now, you are a priest. And to be a priest is both a privilege and an honor. Because to be a priest isn't something you can work for, isn't something you can ask for, it's something that's bestowed upon you. So to be a priest means God has bestowed an honor and a privilege to you because it is a privilege to um, approach God. Because without the shed blood of Jesus, you have no access into the presence of God. So Jesus died to give you access. And to be a priest means you have access to the heart of God. You have access to the presence of God. You have access to the mind of God. And these are things that operate by faith, right? Um, nothing is wrong with your relationship with God if you're not hearing the voice of God all day. Nothing is wrong with your relationship with God if you're not feeling the presence of God all day. Because in this walk, we live by faith. Faith in God's word. If I never feel the presence of God for the rest of my life, I have to exercise faith that what? He'll never leave me nor forsake me. I have to exercise faith that, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, then what? Um, it's a, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Why? For your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So there's no feeling. It's all about faith. As a believer, we don't live a life of sensation. We live a life of faith. That means that irrespective of your senses, God's word is true. And the Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. A lot of times we, as believers, we stop living by faith and we start being dominated by sight. We allow what we see, what we hear, what we taste, what we feel, and what we can touch to dominate us. But God's word was meant to dominate you. You're supposed to be so convinced of God's word that you, are, you, will, you will not surrender to the mirage of the senses, because all the sense world is, is a mirage. I don't know if you ever heard, heard of a mirage, but back in the day, you used to watch cartoons, and you always see somebody that's super hungry, I mean, super thirsty. And every time they were super thirsty, they would begin to see um, water appear nowhere. And every time they would go to the water and jump to it and about to drink, the water would disappear and it would turn to the sand, right? And that's how um, living for God is, you know, the devil will play with your mind 
and give you mirages. But everything the devil is showing you is not genuine and is not true. The devil is a lying spirit and the devil is the father of all lies. There's no truth in the devil. So the devil is telling you anything, he's lying. If the devil is telling you anything that seems to be true, he's lying. And if the devil tells you the truth, he's lying. One of the things we learned a long time ago is Satan is a lying spirit who uses truthful words. Satan can tell you the truth, but because he's saying it, it's still a lie. So Satan will deceive you according to what's true. But just because something is true does not mean it's the truth because the truth is higher than what's true. It may be true that you don't feel the presence of God, but it's not the truth that God is not with you. It may be true that you're not hearing the voice of God, but it's not truth that God is not speaking to you. It may be true that you lack currently, but it's not true that you will lack what you need. Why? Because what you see is just a mirage. Everything the devil is showing you is a mirage to get you into unbelief and to get you into unfaithfulness. By the way, faith is not just believing, but faith actually means faithfulness. The word faith means to have an allegiance to a truth. It means I'm convinced of a truth and I'm loyal to it. That's what real faith is. So once I become unloyal to the truth, I'm no longer living by faith. Because when you're loyal to the truth, it births a conviction. If you can't tell me what you're convinced of, it means you don't have faith. There has to be things about God you're convinced of that will never change. But there, this is how faith works. I was telling Donald this earlier. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing, right? I like how Prophet Medina says, says the Bible says faith come by, comes by hearing, not having heard. So how this, how this, what this means is this, is that just because you heard something a year ago does not mean you have the faith for it right now. Because faith is like food. You know, it means that right now, if I eat a steak right now, it does not mean that the, the nutrients of that steak will help me a year from now. I have to eat another steak in order for the present day steak to benefit me. Just because you heard a year ago that God is a provider does not mean you believe that right now. You need faith food so you can feed your faith and your faith will become alive because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You have to hear God's word for God's word to create faith in your spirit so that when faith is created in your spirit, you have something to cleave to and anticipate God to um, cause to come into manifestation in your life. That's how that works. So there was a time when our faith level was stronger because we were listening to the word. We heard great men and women of God tell us of God's words and God's possibilities and what God could do, what he will do, how he is. But something has been lost upon the way. So you shift from being a believer. Now you're living like a mere man. There's no difference between you and an unbeliever. Because they believe the same thing you believe. You function like them. You anticipate like them. You hope like them. But that's not the life of a believer. See, the Bible says that Jesus came so you'll have life, but not just life. Jesus didn't come to just give you Zoe, 
right? That's what life means, by the way, Zoe. In other words, Jesus came to give you illumination. Jesus came to light your candle so you can see. Jesus came to give you revelation. Jesus came to remove the veil so you can see God as he really is. And Jesus came to remove the veil so you can experience life the way God intended. So he said that I came to give you Zoe or life, a real life, an illuminative, a life of illumination, a life of revelation. I, I'm the true light that comes into the world that lights every man. I'm the light of the world. When you come to me, what do I do? I light you. I set you ablaze. I ignite something inside of you. Now you have a spark of life. The divine spark is awakened in you, right? That's what I come to do. And everyone that comes to me, you know, if you receive me, then what happened? You receive life. I'm right about it. But he, he didn't just stop there. I didn't just come to give you Zoe, but I also came to give you Zoe more abundantly. In other words, I came to set you free from all limitations. And so you can live a life that supersedes the normal life. How did he say? He said, what's impossible with men is possible with God. And he said, if you believe, all things are possible. Do you know why things don't happen in our lives? It's because we don't believe, right? Because the Bible says, according to your faith, be it unto you. When's the last time you believed that you could receive unexpected money? When's the last time you believed that you could receive um, soul healing? When last time you believed you could receive a promotion on your job? When's the last time you believed that you could receive your needs being um, provided? When's the last time you believed? Like, there are things that we just don't believe. We just are dominated by the senses and we're missing God. But Jesus did not come to give us life, a life of struggle. Now, you will have a life of suffering. I can't lie to you. I wish I could. But he said, in the world, you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Why? Because I've overcome the world. So in this world, you are going to have tribulation, but you can overcome tribulation by faith. In this world, you're going to have pressures that make you want to, the word tribulation means intense pressure that makes you want to give up, faint, and quit. So part of being in the world is tribulation, not a Christian. In the world, you're going to have tribulation, not in the church, not in the kingdom, in the world. Unbelievers have tribulation too. What the Bible says, it says, there has no temptation overtaken you except which is common to man. You, we, can, we can write a list of our top five problems. And guess what? What you're going to say is common. You don't have an uncommon problem. Nothing is happening to you that's uncommon. Nothing is happening to you, but you're the only one. I know you wanted to be so bad. Well, I'm the only, you know, I was, you know, I know I never heard this. I've never seen, no, 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 no. You just, you in a small world, but it's a world with 8 billion people. And there are a couple, maybe a billion people that would go through the same thing, have gone through it, graduated it without faith in God. <laughs> Didn't even need faith in your God, but did better than you. Because the first thing you do when times get hard is become a victim. First thing you do, don't, don't pray, don't cry out to God. The Bible says, if any man is suffering, let him pray. We don't pray, we just get, we disappear, we become depressed, we want to end our lives, we want to uh, fake crazy and go to the cycle war, all this weird stuff. 
rather than pray and call out to God. Why? Because we're not living by faith. We're not trusting God. But the thing that God does when you come into the kingdom is God converts you into a priest. You have a responsibility and your personal relationship with God. We talked about it a long time ago. There are two pathways. There are the pathway of responsibility and there's the pathway of relationship. A lot of believers like want responsibility without relationship, but relationship is what creates responsibility because the relationship is what matures you to be able to handle responsibility with honor and integrity and with competency. So it is the relationship that God gives us. And out of the relationship, there's a responsibility that comes over time. Like I said, a lot of us, we, we're, we wanna be something so bad, you know, because a lot of us, our value is based in the things we do instead of who we are. So some of us, if we're not doing something, we feel out of place. If we're not doing something, we feel unuseful. If we're not doing something, we have to get in. We have to put our hands to something. We have to get involved in something. We have to create something. We have to be post something. We have to whatever. Why? Because that's our identity. That's our value. I'm valuable when I'm posting. I'm valuable when I'm creating. I'm valuable when I'm a part of something. I'm valuable when I'm seen. I'm valuable when I'm heard. I'm valuable when I write. I'm valuable. Um, I'm valuable when I whatever, right? But that's false value because that makes you a slave. Your value is not in what you do. Your value is in who God says you are. Who does God say you are? Because your value is in your identity, right? And in the kingdom of God, what is your identity? Are you a prophet? Are you an apostle, evangelist, pastor, teacher? Those aren't identities. What's your identity? Are you a, a, a miracle worker? Are you a psalmist? Are you a, um, a, a, a are you a, a elder? None of those are your identity, right? What is your identity? It says, "Behold, what manner of love is this that what that we should be called." the child of God. Your identity is a child of God, right? You're a child of God that's maturing into a son of God. And there's a difference between a child of God and a son of God, right? But it's like a baby. When a baby is born, what does a baby have to do to be provided for? Nothing. What does a baby have to do to be loved? Nothing. What does a baby have to do to be fed? Nothing. A baby just has to exist. When you're born into the kingdom, God provides for you. God takes care of you and God loves on you. But as you grow, you begin to learn responsibility. It's not something that happens immediately, but there are different stages of development where you come into maturity and God gives you different degrees of responsibility according to your maturity and according to your ability, right? It's very important. So you have to rest in what it means to be a child of God. And because I'm a child of God, I've also been initiated into a priesthood. So my, my identity is a child of God. And there are different functions that God gives me. But because I'm a priest, that means that everything around me benefits from my relationship with God. Not because I pray for it, not because I fast for it, not because I prophesy to it, not because I prophesy against it, but because I'm relating to God, things are impacted 
because I'm a priest, which means that every time I relate to God, there are dimensional gateways that open up so that things can change on the face of the earth. No matter what I see, no matter what I feel, no matter what I think, no matter how trivial I think my prayer just was, because I'm a priest. And when I'm in prayer, I'm offering up my incense to God and things are happening in the heavenly realms because I'm conversing with God. I can converse with God about my pain and something happens in the heavens where other people get healed because I'm praying about my pain. Because whenever we pray, we're always tapping into a universal principle. We're not just praying for ourselves. We're praying for things corporately, even when we pray for ourselves. I can pray for my marriage, but I'm really praying for all marriages because I'm tapping into a universal principle of marriage. And God has me standing in marriage as an intercessor, representing all marriages when I pray for my own marriage, right? Consciously aware or not, but that's priesthood. Because everything a priest does for himself still is done for other people. When a priest goes and make a sacrifice, he's still doing it on behalf of others, even though he's doing it for himself. That's priesthood. Priests intercede. That's what intercession is all about. Intercession is about functioning as a priest. Intercession is about negotiating with God. Intercession is about functioning. Um, no, it's about functioning in a realm far above principality, power, might, dominion, everything that could be named in this age and the age to come. Whenever I function as an intercessor, I'm negotiating with God so that things happen on the face of the earth, whether I'm aware of what's happening or unaware, right? The Bible says that when Jesus went up into the mountain to pray, it says, as he prayed, his nature was altered. Jesus was just in prayer and things began to change. You begin to see a transfiguration well, who he really was in the heavenly realms manifested on earth. Every time Jesus went into prayer, that's how he was seen in heaven. But God opened up a gateway and allowed people on earth to see what he was doing in heaven. You saw Jesus as high priest. You saw Jesus in the cloud of witnesses. You saw Jesus engaging with Moses and Elijah. But because God wanted men to see it, it manifested on earth. There are things happening when we pray that we will never know unless God opens our eyes to see. There's some things happening we don't need to see because we don't understand them and we can't handle them. But as we grow to a place, we begin to realize that we're trading, that we're leveraging, that we're engaging, that we're exchanging in the heavenly realms every time we pray. Because to be a priest out of the order of Melchizedek, it means to engage with God in the heavens and it creates ripple effects on the earth. Every time I pray, I'm engaging God in the heavenly realms. Every time I pray, there's a domino effect on the face of the earth. Right. We're going to talk about some. Let's go to um, uh, James chapter five. I'm not going to be before you long. James chapter five. I'm going to go to James chapter five, verse 16. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll start with actually verse 13. So if anyone among you suffering, then he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He's the same praises. Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church and they ought to pray over him anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will restore the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Verse 16, it says, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. You have to understand um, that there's, there is a, a place of confession of sins. It says, confess your, salt, your, your faults or your sins to one another. 
It doesn't mean go on, you know, go on Facebook live or, you know, go make a post, you know, you know, I, you know, I, 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 I cursed out my husband last night. Please forgive me. You know, that's, that's not what it's talking about. But what it's saying is that you have a level of accountability where you're able to confess your faults to those around you. And this is what's powerful, though. It says that it says pray for one another so that you may be healed. Your healing is tied up in praying for other people. There are things that God releases for you when you pray for other people. Sometimes your life is stagnant because God wants to teach you how to be selfless. You know, a lot of us, we're so caught up in me, mine, and me, my, my five, and mine. You know, so I, I, my stuff taken care of, my kids taken care of, my house taken care of, that's good. But all that stuff is stagnated because God wants you to care about your neighbor. What was the age-old question that, that Cain asked God? He said, am I my brother's keeper? Why am I being, listen, man, he died. He's somewhere dead. Hey, if he died, that's his fault. Lord, am I supposed to watch over him? Yes, you are, Cain. You are your brother's keeper. The Bible says, if you see a brother sinning a sin that does not lead to death, pray for him and God will give him life. When's the last time you prayed for your brother or sister in Christ? When last time you saw your brother and sister in Christ wasn't themselves, wasn't doing as good as they used to be. Some is off. When last time you prayed for them and how many of you can pray for them without telling them and rejoice in secret, knowing that the revival, the resurgence, the resurrection that happened in them is because you prayed in secret. You prayed in secret. And God rewards you openly. But guess what we want to do? We want to get a trumpet and a loud phone and say, hey, man, I prayed for you last night and it was so powerful. And what's happening to you now is because I prayed myself. I just want you to know that, right? Why? Because that's your reward. Listen, saints, we got to get rid of this, this um, falsehood, this hypocrisy that wants to be seen by people. At some point in your life, you have to develop a private relationship with God where things happen between you and God and nobody else just you and God. Nobody needs to know that you're praying for them all the time. And I just want to let you know, man, you know, I'm praying, listen, listen, pray in secret and let God reward you openly. Just pray in secret and reap it. Pray for that person and watch God transform them. Pray for that person and watch God heal them. Pray for that person and watch God raise them up. But guess what's happening? When you pray for them, God is healing you. Each one of us need healing. None of us are without disappointment. None of us are without trauma. None of us is without pain. None of us is without fragmentation. But God will heal us because we pray for other people, right? It's so important that we allow God to heal us and we allow God to heal us, right? When we pray for others, God heals us. Now, the thing we have to understand is it says a prayer of a righteous person, when it is brought forth, can accomplish much. So I had to go into my Elizabethan language. It says the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much. But it tells us this, listen, when you're righteous, listen, the blood of Jesus gives you a standing that you don't deserve. The blood of Jesus gives you a standing you don't deserve. You know, when you, when you stand before the Lord, the only reason that you're allowed into the heavenly gates is because of the blood of Jesus. If you think your works save you, you're going to die in your sin. And that's a strong statement. But it means that you're not trusting in the blood of Jesus in the work of the cross. You think that you can save yourself. Who has bewitched you, you foolish Galatians? Many of us really think we can save ourselves. When you're living right, 
or doing the best you can. See, here's the thing. Remember what Joe said. He said, if you're righteous, you're righteous for yourself. Listen, me living right is not for God. <laughs> God is not depressed because I'm living wrong. Tell me, trust me, God is, he's going to be God. He's going to rule the heavens. He's going to rule in the affairs of men. God is not depressed. It does not, God does not have a bad day because I'm, I'm not living right. He's going to be God whatsoever. The Bible says, let God be true and let every man be a lie. What's going to impact me not living right is my soul. <laughs> Me, me not living right makes me a, a perpetual slave. It locks me into a, a, a psychological prison and it takes away my peace. That's for me. Me living right is for me. It's for my peace. It's for my strength. It's for my confidence. It's for my conscience. Me living right. Me living wrong doesn't affect God. <laughs> it affects me. Because I sin against my own soul. I sin against my own body. I destroy myself, right? So me living right is for me. Me living wrong affects me. God is God no matter what. But there's a placement that God has given me through the blood of Jesus that I can never earn. The Bible tells us that you are saved. It says what? You're saved by grace through faith. Not of works. No, say so saved by faith through grace, not of works, as any man should boast. None of us are saved by our works. You can't work your way into heaven. You can't work your way into an office. Oh man, you know, I was fasting like that's how I became a prophet. No, you're deceived. You don't fast your way into prophethood. That's something that God elects you to be. Oh man, you know, I was fasting so much, I just I, I became an evangelist. No, no, no. You became deceived, right? Because whatever God has called you to be is, is chosen before the foundation of the world. That may be an awakening. But what I'm telling you is that God has placed you through the blood of Jesus into a privileged position where you're able to pray. And God desires you to pray as his child because he hears the prayers of the righteous. Because when the righteous pray, because of their placement through the blood of Jesus, when the righteous pray, Things begin to shift, things begin to change, things begin to shake. When the righteous pray, God shakes all things that can be shaken. So the things that cannot be shaken will remain. When the righteous pray, God moves heaven and earth. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord go to and fro in the earth, looking for someone to show himself strong on their behalf. That word eyes in Hebrew culture, it means angels. There are angels that are waiting for believers to pray so that they can execute the will of God on the face of the earth. All angels need is praying believers so they can begin to work. When you pray, angels are working behind the scenes to bring God's will to pass, no matter how long it takes, no matter what it looks like, no matter what's happening. Because sometimes what the devil wants you to do is to faint while you pray. But the Bible says, don't grow weary and well-doing, for in due season you will reap if you faint not. The devil sometimes just wants us to stop praying because if we stop praying, the things we'll believe in God for will never come to pass. The Bible says, whatsoever things you desire and you pray, believe you receive them and you will have them. So what the devil does is he discourages you to stop believing. Because if you stop believing, the things you believe in, will, you won't have them. It says, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, what? Believe that you have them. If I, can, if, the, if I can get you to stop believing the things you desire, you will never have them. There's desire first. There's faith second. There's manifestation last. So if you desire something, 
And then once the desire comes, you believe you received it, it won't manifest in the natural if you stop believing. So the devil creates all these spiritual attacks and these spiritual um, tsunamis or spiritual disturbances so that you stop believing God for the fulfillment of his promises. But the Bible says, casting out away your confidence, which has a great recompense of reward. So if I, if I don't give up, if I don't stop believing, I'll be rewarded for my faith. But the enemy, the Bible says Satan seeks to do it, to wear out the patience of the saints. That's why prayer is so important. Remember, anytime you hear a person talking about giving up or sounding discouraged, it's because they're not in prayer. The Bible says, and he spoke a parable unto this end that what? That men ought to always pray and not faint. You can't pray and faint at the same time. You have to choose one. You're either giving up and becoming discouraged and losing heart, or you're prayerful. Prayer gives you the energy to not give up. Prayer gives you the strength to overcome. Prayer gives you the grace to thrive in weakness. Prayer gives you the, um, the, the, the ability to stand in the midst of adversity. So if you're not in the position of prayer as priest, this is why you're discouraged. This is why you're growing weary. And this is why you want to give up. Because you've forgotten that you have a responsibility. I don't have a responsibility for you. You have a responsibility for yourself to stand in the presence of God so God can give you the power to handle everything that will happen in your everyday life. And if you're not standing in that place, you're ill-prepared, you're ill-equipped, and you're easily discouraged, and you want to give up all the time. But the Bible says men ought to always do what? Pray and not lose heart. And he spoke on to this end, right? We can go on and on. So listen, what I'm going to do is to, what I'm going to do is I'm going to stop there. I'm going to stop on a high note. We're going to call this the power of prayer. We're going to make this a, a podcast episode, by the way, Sherelle. We're going to make this public. This has been our first podcast of the year. I don't know if you noticed that. I didn't do a podcast all year. So it's very interesting. Um, but I want to encourage you guys because the Lord wants us to be faithful in the place of prayer. He wants us to be faithful, but he wants us to be faithful, not in just needing someone else to pray for us. He wants us to be faithful according to his word as what? As priest. God requires you to stand in his presence and your standing in the presence of God first benefits you but then also it benefits others and it lastly benefits creation because the Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous, it has tremendous power. Never forget this, saints. I pray this episode strengthened you in your relationship with God. If you desire to receive further education and learn more about the things of God, visit my website, www.darnellcraig.com to either become a student or to purchase online courses that will deepen your relationship with God. If you are blessed by this episode, prayerfully consider making a donation as well. Visit my website, www.darnellcraig.com, for ways to donate to the ministry.